0: Let's get it underway. This will be my Friday today. Tomorrow's Good Friday, and uh, our company takes Good Friday off. And uh, I think every company should take Good Friday off uh, because uh, of what it uh, is and and what uh, we remember uh, for Good Friday. That's the day that, of course, uh, as Christians, it's uh, the beginning of what we would call the Holy Weekend. Uh, it's the day that Christ was crucified, and then three days later he rose from the grave, which would be Resurrection Sunday coming up this Sunday. Um, our church, uh, and I know JR's on the line, Jr., our church out here at, uh, at New Life is having a Good Friday uh, meeting. Everybody is supposed to be there by about 3.30 in the afternoon. And we're going to park our cars in the parking lot and uh, sit and do do a Good Friday worship service. And then, as far as I know, right now Sunday will be like doing a um, you know a web service like we've done the last few weeks. Mm-hmm. So that's it's going to be a, a very unique, uh, to say the least, uh, 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 holy weekend in America. Totally different than. Anything any of us has ever done, by the way, uh you know all that money that we're going to be getting starting next week uh for uh every tax paying American et cetera et cetera, about twelve hundred dollars twenty four hundred dollars for a couple uh, Do you know how much Americans saved because they didn't bet on uh the uh, basketball tournament how much eight point six billion dollars. Wow, that's yeah, a lot of money, victims, brother.
1: The real victims in this are Vegas and then right? <laughs> uh,
0: Who got a sports, uh, you know, uh, betting operation, legal or illegal, is going to lose some money because of that. No yeah. doubt about it. So, how are you doing? Have you you holding up still? Uh, I hate to say it, but it's it's sort of starting to feel a bit normal.
1: Uh, yeah, that's kind of scary, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It's very weird, but uh, no, we're we're doing well here, and uh, you know, there's the good news is there's still plenty of, of uh, uh, work to do. You're just doing it from a different place, so we're blessed with that. Um, but yeah, so far uh, we're kind of getting used to
0: this uh, stay-at-home lifestyle. So it's kind of weird to say that. So have you have you forgotten? What day of the week it is when you've gotten up? Have you had to sit and think a little bit about what day of the week is it today? There have been uh, many of those days, Dave, uh, where (laughs) you
1: get up and you're not real sure if it's Monday or Wednesday or Saturday or Tuesday. And so you just uh, – that is very, very strange. It's probably been one of the weirder parts about this whole thing is that every day really feels the same and it we does. Have taken for granted that Monday through Friday sort of structure, you know, where you leave for work and it's just it's strange. So when you don't, you know, you obviously <laughs> everything kind of runs together. So it's just that's kind of one of the surprising effects, I guess, of all this. So.
0: Well, we, we we've got some big things to talk about today. Big thing happened yesterday. Bernie Sanders. Uh, threw in the towel yesterday. He was in his corner, and uh, I think it was a big and a hard decision for him. Uh, But he threw the – well, his trainer threw the towel into the middle of the ring and said, we're done. Uh, How difficult do you think this was for Sanders to say, you know, I can see that there's no way for me to get to the nomination?
1: Well, I think it was uh, incredibly difficult uh, for – Bernie Sanders. I mean, this is his second cycle in a row to finish number two uh, in the Democratic primary. I mean, the guy. You know, I think the other thing too we talk about is, uh, I mean, he is a uh, an on, Like, this is what he believes. This is he is passionate about it. Like, this is yep. everything he said up there on stage is one hundred percent what he believes. Uh, and so, and that's not always the case with uh, candidates running for president, but that was the case for. Uh, Bernie Sanders. And so, you know, he wanted to make a difference. He wanted to uh, implement a lot of these socialist policies. Uh, and for the second straight cycle, he's not going to get a chance to do that or at least get a shot in the general. Um, but for somebody like that, I think it's incredibly difficult uh, to throw in the towel, especially with the amount of support that he had. And I'll also say, too, Dave, I mean, this thing flipped upside down pretty quick for Bernie Sanders. Remember, when he won Nevada, people thought it was over. Uh, People thought that Bernie Sanders was going to win this on Super Tuesday walking away, uh, and that was going to be it. And we went from Nevada to South Carolina in that crazy 48-hour period where everyone just got out of the race and backed Biden and then... You know, Biden runs away with it. So that's an, that's also, it's like one of those, uh, I'll give you a good example. You brought up the NCAA earlier. Uh, I'm the yep. Auburn fan. And so final four last year, uh, Auburn's down 10. We come back. We're leading. We're going to win the game. Our guy fouls a dude shooting a three. He shoots three straight, free throws. They win the game. That's the worst way to win or, or the worst way to lose again, you know what I mean it's just you'd rather lose by ten or twenty right the same yeah, thing well, with it... Bern, yeah, it's the same thing with Bernie Sanders he'd rather lose outright from the beginning than say, okay, you basically got this game in hand, it's yours, and then basically you know you you foul Biden in South Carolina and put him on the line, and he wins basically three straight <laughs> primaries and uh, yeah, well, and it's over. Uh, let me, and So it's just a terrible me, way to
0: lose. Yeah, let me throw a little bit of extra into your analogy there. It'd be like if you were up by eight, and the, and the time you're down to less than let's say thirty seconds, and you get the three free throws at the line and things of that nature. But the NCAA gets in there and starts talking about how weak you are here and blah, blah, blah. And the, and the officials then start calling ticky-tack fouls on you. That's the way I look at what happened to Bernie Sanders. I think – I don't know so much that I agree that he lost as that the party once again took it away from him.
1: No, I I, I can see that side of it. I mean, I, I certainly think it was uh, – you know, I think the first three races – it was sort of a gut check for the party uh they had to i mean they saw that this was going to be their nominee and they basically made the decision that you know do we want to move forward with Bernie Sanders or not and they said no and i think it's a little bit different in 2016 or th- or in in 2020 than it was in 2016 i mean when when Bernie Sanders dropped out this time around uh it was because democrats got out of the race and then in turn, through all of their support behind Biden, which I think gave him a tremendous amount of momentum. In 2016, yeah. the DNC just completely uh, folded and bowed down to Hillary Clinton. I mean, they did yeah. everything they possibly could to go ahead and give her the nomination before uh, you know before the very first primary. And so uh, I think it's a little different, but absolutely, uh, the DNC around its weight again. This time around, though, uh, I will, I, you know, look, I'll give Democrats credit. They did what they had to do to keep Bernie Sanders from being the nominee. They got out of the race. They turned around. They endorsed uh, Joe Biden. And it's it'll go down as one of the more uh, impressive uh, comebacks and turnarounds uh, in modern political history. But again, it's because all of them together collectively just dropped out, turned around, endorsed Biden in the, in the period of about 48 hours. And that's why I think the gut punches for, for Bernie is that he had it, it was his. He was going to go toe to toe with Donald Trump uh, for the presidency. And then within 48 hours, it was just ripped from him. And I think there were two things. Actually, there was one thing, Dave. It was the fact that Bernie Sanders in South Carolina performed so terribly bad with African Americans. And Joe Biden showed that his floor with African Americans was solid. That one yeah, well, thing that took place, where Democrats saw
0: that this is the guy we need to move forward with. What would what would have happened uh, to Biden if instead of Claiborne throwing his weight behind him, he had said, yeah. "You know what? I think I think that uh, you all should be voting for Sanders, and here's why," and had made a case for Bernie Sanders. Do you think that would have made any kind of a big difference for Bernie Sanders? I-
1: I do I do, I think that he's you know they call him the kingmaker there in South Carolina, so i I mean I you know look, I'm not a guy who is a big believer in endorsements, um but that particular endorsement carries a whole lot of weight, especially in the the black community there in South Carolina, so I don't know that it would have won the day for Sanders, but it would have, he would have come incredibly close, I mean, I think it carries that much weight. But you know, at the end of the day, it's it's the uh it's the fact that Joe Biden was the vice president to our first black president. And uh and that is a floor that I'm you know, fairly certain no matter what he says or what he does, that's not gonna go much you know, it's not gonna go any further down than it is right now, just because again, for eight years he served as the vice president to our first black president. And so that's gonna be something that goes uh goes the distance
0: uh, for a lot of these communities. All right, 17 after 6, J.R. Davis is my special guest, as he is 6 o'clock hour of every Thursday from the Gilmore Group. We've got a lot of things to talk about today. When we come back, who will Biden pick as his running mate? He says it will be a woman, and uh, he has kind of hinted it will be a person of color. So, who do we think he may pick as his running mate? Jr. and I will discuss that when we come back. It's the Dave Ellswick Show, 18 minutes after 6. More coming your way on 101.1 FM, The Answer. Back with you, Dave Ellswick Show. J.R. Davis is here from the Gilmore Group. I want to move us into talking about... Who Biden may pick as his running mate. We'll talk about that in just a moment. First of all, let me remind you, today it's going to be cooler. I mean, yesterday, here in Cabot, it got up to 88 degrees. It was absolutely beautiful outside. Of course, I didn't get to... Enjoy most of it. I went out and sat on the porch for a little bit, but couldn't do anything out in the yard or anything. Anyway, cooler, some partly cloudy skies. High of only 69 degrees today. I mean, that's nice, but it's not 89 degrees. It was great yesterday. Uh, Friday, uh, mostly sunny. Cooler, high of 60. And Saturday, uh, we're going to have, you know, I guess partly uh, cloudy. Possible Thunderstorm in the area high of 69 degrees. Currently uh, in Little Rock at 63, Conway 62, Hot Springs 62, uh, Pine Bluffs at 67, and Cabot's checking in at uh, 61, the chilly spot of the morning. For your Resurrection Sunday, look for strong thunderstorms in our area. And a high of 72 degrees. All right, so JR, now Biden can turn his attention to who he wants as his running mate. Let me give you my top four. The first three will not surprise you, the fourth might, although, if you remember uh, a little over a year ago, what I suggested. Uh, after Hillary Law uh, lost to to Trump, what might happen uh, this year? Uh, it, it comes back to to kind of play an echo effect. Uh, I think the top three uh, for uh, VP are Harris. Warren and Klobuchar. I think those three showed themselves uh, in the primary. They did fairly well. Maybe Harris not as well as everybody thought she would do. But uh, those are three that uh, yeah. he he would be looking at. Now, my fourth one. I think we might see kind of the same ticket uh, before Trump, but in a different configuration. We may see Biden- and Obama for 2020. I'm not, you know, I'm not willing to to say that Michelle Obama won't be on the Democratic ticket uh, in 2020. I think that's a heavyweight name that you could put in there. I don't think she's ready to run for president, but she's ready to run for vice president. What do you think?
1: Well, I think that makes uh, a lot of sense. I mean, I think we were we've all spent about a year and a half waiting for her to get into the race. Right. And, uh, yeah. and she said she wasn't going to run. And obviously she, uh, uh, you know, was a woman of her word on that and decided not to, but it makes sense. I mean, look, number one, you know, uh, Michelle and Brock are obviously sort of you know, one and the same. They have, they may differ on a few things, but they share the same views. I think philosophically Biden spent eight years, Uh, with President Obama. Uh, He's comfortable with the Obamas. The Obamas are comfortable with him. And I think probably the most telling thing uh, from Joe Biden uh, after Bernie Sanders got out of the race was what he uh, stated about the next VP. Uh, He said he needs someone who is comfortable with where he is on policy. Uh, He doesn't want someone with, quote, a restricted view of the United States and its required influence in the world. Um he said he uh wants to make sure his pick is not quote at odds in any fundamental way with my attitude towards healthcare care education, so he said that, so there's a couple of things I just want to kind of unpack here for a second. Uh, I love the kind of dark horse pick and Michelle Obama because uh there I think there's a real chance for that, especially that would give her a platform uh to run again in four to eight years right yeah uh, for president, and it gives her the experience uh I do think that there, I I do think there's. We can go through sort of a process of elimination, though. I I think with with Biden being 77 years old, uh, if he were to win uh, the race in November, he's going to need someone. And I think America and Democrats, if they vote for Biden, they're going to want to know that there's someone behind him who is prepared to step into the Oval Office if something were to happen. Right. Uh, okay. And so and probably more so with, you know, Joe Biden than probably any president in recent past, just because of his age. And I think people, you know, we talk about all the time, people kind of question his health and where he is mentally and that sort of thing. So I think you could eliminate uh, Elizabeth Warren uh, from the VP shortlist because he said he wants someone that's not going to be at odds uh, with his health care policy. Uh, And with his policy in general, and I don't know, I mean, if if that's true, and that came from Joe Biden, if that's true, then I don't know how in the world uh, Elizabeth Warren is his VP, because they did not see eye to eye on things.
0: No, she's Um, still, you know, she was a big Medicare for all. Yeah. Uh, Amy
1: Klobuchar, because I do believe that Joe Biden needs uh, a minority female Uh, On the ticket, I think that's something that the Democrats, the Democrat Party wants. I think that's something he feels like he needs to have, especially being Barack Obama's vice president. So I think you can eliminate those two. To me, the one that makes the most sense is Kamala Harris, because they were sort of the team of rivals, if you will. You know that. But she went after him first in that debate. Right. uh, Hard about busing. She did it for a couple of debates. Uh, but she turned around she endorsed Vice President Biden had a lot of great things to say she has that executive experience as attorney general in California she's now been in the senate uh she you you mentioned i mean she she did a tremendous job in the debate she held her own she has, she understands the policy she gets it and i think probably in Joe Biden's mind uh or you know just in the sort of democratic uh party's mind she's someone who could step in on day 1 uh and and
0: govern as president of the United States. Uh, is, is so journey, yeah. Go ahead. That's all right. Go ahead and finish up your thought. Real well, quickly, say, to me, ten seconds. Yeah. To, all right. To me, Kamala Harris. My dark horse is Stacey Abrams of Georgia. All right, we've got news. Then we'll be back. Stacey Abrams. Now there's a name to talk about. All right, J.R. Davis is uh, with me, uh, as he always is on Thursdays for the most times. And uh, we're sitting here talking the big story from yesterday politically, and that was Bernie Sanders stepping out of the race for the Democratic nomination. Uh, That leaves Biden as the presumptive Democrat nominee. There are still some people who don't think that he will be the nominee that that uh, when they have the convention uh, in Milwaukee, whenever that would be, I mean they 're talking about August now, the same month that uh, the Republicans are talking about doing a uh, doing their uh, of course uh, convention in North Carolina um, you know you 've got a lot of things to be thinking about here now, we during the break were drawing lines through names and uh, the first uh, name that we drew a line through was Warren because she doesn't meet uh, the you know the the bottom line belief system that Biden has. Uh, she wants Medicare for all. Biden does not. He wants to tweak around with Obamacare and things of that nature. So uh, you feel, Jr., that Warren will be the first to get scratched off that. That that list that we set up.
1: Yeah, that's what I think. I mean, you know, there was a lot made of a tweet, I believe, yesterday from Barack Obama about Elizabeth Warren. Uh, I think there was probably too much made of it because, again, she's going to be someone you need a vice president again who can step in if something were to happen, but also who will be a a you know, basically, lack of a better word, foot soldier, right? Uh, that's yeah. going to go out there and, and do your work, and you know that's always going to have your back. Um, and I think that what we've seen with Pence uh, and Trump, and I think we saw the same with Biden and Obama. Um, and so uh, I, he needs somebody like that. So I just think that uh, someone like Elizabeth Warren is probably not going to work uh, in a position like that. And I don't even know that she would want that, to be honest with you. I think she'd be more affected with her, uh, with her views and philosophies in the Senate uh, than as vice president. Um, so I think you move her out of the way. Uh, and I just, I just think it makes sense with Kamala Harris. Uh, if, if, you know, you're gonna get a uh, an African American female as your running mate, I think that's what Biden wants. Um, and, and so that's kind of my pick. That's who I think's probably gonna end up getting the nod, or at least they're gonna have heavy consideration. The second part is, you know, I told you this, I don't know if you remember, Dave, several, several weeks back, maybe a few months ago, where I, I mentioned Stacey Abrams as sort yeah, of who you I did. thought would be someone they consider. And I do think they're going to consider her. Uh, I think that the biggest knock on Stacey Abrams is that she doesn't have the experience to step in if something were to happen. Uh, and I think in this particular election, given everything that's happened with the pandemic, kind of the state of the country, the fact that Biden's 77, people continue to ask questions about his health uh, and, and mental you know, uh, capacity and things like that. Uh, I think voters are going to want to know that their number two is ready to go. And I think that's probably the knock for, for Stacey Abrams. But man, Dave, talk about an incredible VP pick for Democrats. If you, if, if that were to be it, and people can kind of get around the fact that she doesn't have any of that experience. African-American nearly won the governor's race in Georgia. She has a, I think they said there's about 800 Democratic operatives right now in the state of Georgia. Their, their goal is to deliver the state of Georgia to the Democrats, which is a very good chance they can do that. But if you can get a Southern state a, a black woman from the southern state to be your vp and capture the state of georgia i mean that's you know that's that's a pretty sexy pick right for the democrats so i think they're going to really really consider stacy abrams but i think at the end of the day
0: she won't get it because of the lack of experience all right so who how long will it take to get that name, whomever it is, out in front of the American public. When will Biden decide, or I don't even know if Biden decides anything anymore. When will the Biden campaign decide who their running mate is going to be?
1: Well, again, you kind of go by uh, his comments uh, after, this was in a, I think, a telephone raiser. Um, that he held with some donors. And, and he told them, this was just yesterday, I believe, but he basically said that the vetting process uh, needs to take place in uh, a matter of weeks, which, you know, I don't know what that really means, but I would say probably within the next couple of months, uh, we're going to have uh, a name for vice president. And that puts us, you know, roughly middle of June, which is appropriate, I think. Uh, where I think you're, you'll probably end up seeing, uh, you know, the name for his vice presidential pick. So in a matter of weeks, it could be seven to eight weeks, six, seven
0: weeks. That's the betting process, and then I think they'll announce. All right. And Harris had some problems in her past. Do those come back to bite her in the rear end?
1: Very good. It could. It could. And that's where I think that, you know, this is, this is what's kind of the, I've always loved this process, Dave, of, you know, picking the vice president. Who's it going to be? Right. It's always, just, <laughs> yeah, I mean, seriously, on Democrat side, on the Republican side, it's always to me just fascinating because it's just this sort of who's it going to be? What's the message? Uh, it's, it's, Fascinating. I mean, it was in 2016. We all said, you know, who's Trump going to pick as a VP? He needed someone with sort of those conservative bona fides. That's where Pence came in. You know, that was a great pick. Uh, Obama picking uh, Biden. I thought that, you know, obviously it was somebody who, you know, Obama was not because he didn't really have any experience. Uh, no. And then uh, he needed someone who had been there and kind of knew the Senate and that sort of stuff as well as Biden did. So he went with Biden. And then so it's just, it's to me, you know, I mean even McCain, it obviously didn't win, but picking Palin, there's just something about the idea of picking that VP that gets people excited. But what people forget about is you can have the greatest name, face, ethnicity, background on paper, right? But the vetting process is what makes or breaks a vice presidential pick. Yep. And, as much as voters want a rock star VP candidate, you know, you get excited about the Romney Ryan, you know, everybody was so excited that Paul Ryan at the time, right, was going to be VP and all that sort of stuff. People get excited about it. But at the end of the day, the party, as much as they want to pick that sexy candidate, they also don't want to pick a candidate who is going to lose the race for the top ticket, right? And yep. so, like you don't want to, you don't want to pick someone who's gonna. I mean, look, look. I mean, quite frankly, Sarah Palin, two thousand eight with McCain, it was uh, everyone was so excited about that to begin with, and, and she kind of had some, uh, you know, fumbles throughout the general and uh, in interviews and things like that. And I think it did end up hurting uh, John McCain. I think that Obama was going to win regardless, but I do, I just think you have to put it into those sort of sort of into those terms that if you're going to pick someone, you want them to help and not hurt the top of the ticket. And so that's why I love it. You never know. It could be someone like a Kamala Harris. It could be someone like Stacey Abrams. And it could be somebody who, you know, that is not something people get super excited about, but the DNC feels that it's not going to hurt Biden in the long run.
0: Yeah, it's going to be interesting. I'm with you. This is what I like about presidential election years i'm like you uh you can you kind of throw the drink your tea and then take the leaves out of the bottom of the cup and throw them on the bowl and see if you can read anything from them we'll see if if either one of us uh is correct hey today cooler temperatures with partly cloudy skies high today uh, upper 60s low 70s Ten- tomorrow mostly sunny cooler high of only 60 and uh, Then Saturday, Uh, we're looking like uh, with partly uh, cloudy skies, a thunderstorm in the area, high of 69. And then rain on Resurrection Sunday, uh, strong thunderstorms in the area, high of 72 degrees. Currently, uh, we're looking at 63 in Little Rock, 67 in Pine Bluff. Conway and Hot Springs are both at 62, and Cabot is the cold spot this morning. With 61 degrees. We got to get our last break in and then uh, we will come back and have a few minutes more to talk, uh, JR, here on The Dave Ellswick Show, 1011 FM. The answer. We continue. By the way, next hour, big hour for you. I told you we would try to get somebody on uh, for you small business owners that you could ask your questions. About filling out the paperwork and things of that nature uh, for the uh, what was it, the Payroll Protection Plan, uh, and get your money to help your business after the uh, uh, the COVID-19 uh, break that we've seen. And we have that. We have uh, the local, uh, you know, number one man from the SBA with us next hour and the phones will be open to talk to him, and you can uh, ask him questions that are on your mind. Uh, uh, McConnell said that they have begun already starting on a Phase 4 plan, which will be mostly directed towards small, more towards small businesses. Uh, believe it or not, Uh, All those billions upon billions of dollars that they made available to businesses, uh, a lot of them are gone. Uh, They filled out, like, I think the first day, it was like 1,600 applications, and uh, we were talking hundreds of millions of dollars uh, that we're exchanging hands. I know that uh, some businesses I know are hoping to get the word today that they're going to get the money to help them pay people and pay uh, uh, their mortgages and things of that nature. So you'll want to be listening if you're a small business person in the second hour. If you've got questions, I've got somebody who can give you the answers From the Small Business Association. They'll be with us in the 7 o'clock hour, the Dave Ellswick Show final hour. Dr. Terry Yamauchi coming by. He is an infectious disease, uh, you know, uh, bright guy. He is a a specialist in that area, has been for years. I mean, 15 years ago, he was telling us that uh, pets could carry coronavirus on their fur. And everybody called him nuts. They're not calling them that anymore. They're saying, wow, coronavirus does do that. All right, back to uh, uh, Jr., who is with us on phone as we do our social distancing uh, here on the Dave Ellswick Show. I'm at my house. I'm in the dining room. Uh, Of course, Heidi is at the station. She's in the control room. And uh, we want to finish up talking here about uh, the election. So the, uh, the Democrats have basically said that we're not going to see a July, uh, you know, convention in, uh, in Milwaukee. That I had Doyle Banks on, Doyle Banks, Doyle Banks old high school, Doyle Webb on uh, <laughs> uh, last week. I got a question for you. He said this. He thought the Democrats made a, a bad decision. Uh, going to Milwaukee because they go, they're they going to have people basically staying around O'Hara Airport for rooms, uh, to have room for the people coming in for the convention. And they're going to have to basically set up for two conventions – they couldn't even pay for the one they had four years ago. They left. Oh, in uh, Charlotte, North Carolina, millions of dollars. What's your thought? Do you, are are the is the Democrat Party uh, showing themselves to be in bad bad shape? You know, I, I, I that Doyle Webb would be the one to know more so than
1: I. But I mean, I think that you know, uh, the Democrats have shown over the last couple cycles that. Uh, the decisions they make have not uh, uh, have, have not panned out have not made a whole lot of sense. Um, and so you know uh, there's obviously a, a chance that this goes the way uh, <laughs> of that as well. I mean, I will say this, I think the Democrats um, I think everyone needs to kind of put the brakes on on all the convention talk right now because I don't believe regardless they postpone it, there's a very good chance. Dave, and, and you, you keep up with this, and you know that you know. While we're seeing some some you know glimmers of hope in places like New York, we've seen it in Washington State and California. This is going to be with us for a long time, uh, and probably we're probably uh, end of May before things may start to get back to normal just a little bit. But then you're talking about traveling when do they when do they open up traveling and when do people feel comfortable traveling again uh, when do people feel comfortable getting in large groups uh, whether it's concerts or conventions like we're talking about here sporting events and then you hear these medical professionals uh, who uh, you know they know their stuff saying that there's a very good chance just like the flu that this reemerges in the fall and will we have any sort of uh, um, you know, medicine uh, to take to fight this off by then? Probably not, uh, not at least on a wide scale. So, I mean, I think just talking about conventions in general, any plans for probably the next six months, people just have to kind of pump the brakes and let's see where we are uh, as, as a nation. And it's easy to talk about right now uh, because it is so far off. But Dave, I think this pandemic. There's a real chance this goes into November, as far as just people's, you know, uneasiness. You know, the economy is still uh, sort of puttering along because people, either, you know, they just, there's just a lot that we don't know about it. And if it comes back with the vengeance in the fall, you know, we could be right back to where you and I are right now. You're sitting at your kitchen table. I'm on my couch in the living room. So, uh, I just think that's something people that need to keep in mind as we. As we discuss the rest of
0: 2020 all right so let's discuss one point of 2020 it is a presidential year how does this affect november elections what do you think i mean if it's true if this comes back in the fall you're talking about moving into the winter time in november and that's the kind of weather that this virus thrives in how does that change uh, the election? And what are we looking at, like mail-in voting? And all? I'm not ready to do mail-in voting.
1: No, I think there's some issues with mail-in voting. Now there are states that do this already, and, and they don't have any problems. I think it's something that we have to. And look, I hate that they've that that you know nationally in the media they've already carved this issue up as a partisan issue. I'm a Republican. Uh, I also think we have to have some contingency plans so, for people to actually be able to, uh you know, take part in, in our democratic process of voting. Right. That's a that's a very special right that we have as Americans. Yeah. Uh, and so we have to be able to come up with a contingency plan. If it's mail in voting, great. Uh, but there needs to be participation and it needs to be uh, in a way that's safe. Uh, for the american people but to answer the first part of your question yes this is this is this pandemic this is what matters right now uh and and i i should, i say right now this is this is what is the presidential uh race is going to come down to and this is where i think the next you know, the past four weeks, the next four weeks, the next four weeks after that, uh, this is where President Trump is going to win or lose his reelection. And and I truly believe that because people are scared, people are frustrated, people are bored, and people are worried about the economy. Uh there's a lot of feelings right now <clears throat> excuse me, uh, in, in the in the nation and if we can get through this and let's say we go into the summer, you know, social distancing works, we get rid of it as much as possible. Uh, they fast track some cure, uh, or vaccine, uh, of this. And, you know, the economy roars back in the summer. I-, I think, I think there will be a lot of credit due to president Trump and that will play a big part in his reelection bid in November. Dave, if we're still sitting here socially isolated in midsummer, the economy continues to tank. Could be absolutely no fault of the president's, uh, but I think people are going to say, "Look, this isn't working," and especially that independent crowd uh, that may look for another alternative. But I mean, there's so many, there's so many, uh, you know, if-ands or buts in this race, right? You know, you've got Biden. Who's his pick going to be? Is Biden going to be relevant now that he is the uh, presumptive nominee? after after uh, uh Sanders drops out uh you know is Trump going to say the right things? Does it matter if he says the right things as long as he does the right things? like there's just a lot, but I do believe that it's all going to come down to the coronavirus, the pandemic that we're all facing because Dave, I mean you've been around longer than I have, but i, I can't- ima- i mean there's this is nothing like anything in our history uh, that has disrupted life uh, so quickly and for so long as this, uh, in every fabric of our life, you know, I mean, we're all at home. We're spending way more time with our, our spouses. Now we're not at work where we spend most of our time. We're worried about the economy, you know, 401 ks. uh, worried if you're going to have a job next week. I mean, there's, this is everything in one. I mean, you mentioned at the top of the show, Dave, about Easter services, right? Yeah, I mean, things that are just so different. It's just everything's been affected by this. I just don't think that goes away, you know, with a snap of the fingers. I think this is going to be a residual effect throughout the rest of 2020.
0: All right. right, we're out of time, brother. Thanks so much. Great hour of discussion today, today on the Dave Ellswick Show. You have a great Resurrection Sunday, and I'll see you next Thursday. You too. Be safe, my friend. All righty, J.R. Davis from the Gilmore Group here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Don't forget, if you're a small business owner, next hour is important to you for sure. You know about that money coming in from the government. How do you make sure you get in line and you're in line where you're going to end up getting a check? We'll talk about it with uh, the head of the SBA coming up in just a moment. On, I think it's Mr. Haddock on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, 7 o'clock in the morning. I'm stunned by that last number I just heard. Were you paying attention to the news out there, listener? They just said yesterday, TSA, across the United States, scanned, you know, 100,000 flyers. That is down 95% from last year. So that tells you they need help. When they were yelling a few months ago uh, in February that they were going to need help because of this, they weren't kidding. I mean, they just weren't kidding. Uh, And so we've got the Paycheck Protection Program out there and the CARE program that was just passed. I have this that was just uh, tweeted. This from the Senate Majority Leader. Uh, Today, I'll ask unanimous consent to pass stand-alone emergency funding for the hugely popular Paycheck Potential, uh, Protection Program that is saving small business jobs as we speak, as the rest of the CARES Act continues to come online. Uh, joining us this morning is Edward Haddock. He's the head the head honcho, the the hot tamale, so to speak, of the SBA here in central Arkansas. He's a former Air Force man, if I'm not mistaken, as I am, and so I I know everything that he will say will be truthful and to the point. With that said, Edward, welcome to the Dave Ellswick Show. How are you this morning? I'm doing well, Dave. Thanks for having me on this morning. It's good to have you with us. Let's let's talk about this. Uh, the PPP or the Paycheck Protection Program has been very, very popular. It's already running low on funds, is what the uh, uh, the Senate leader said. Uh, what are you seeing out there as far as this program goes?
3: Yeah, great. You know, this is this is definitely an unprecedented effort that that we're all working together on in order to make sure we can get these loans extended uh, not only across the state here in Arkansas, but across the country. Uh, Last night, the numbers came in as of uh, April 8th, and we had already generated over 400,000 loans committing 100. Yeah, absolutely. Committing uh, almost $100 billion to that program. So the need is absolutely there. Small businesses need the assistance. And I think, uh, you know, there was um, quite a bit of um, pent up um, uh, need. Um, So when 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 the SBA did finally roll out, Uh, paycheck protection and get applications open. There was, there was a big really influx of that demand. So we're seeing that, but, uh, luckily our our banks are stepping up. Um, you know, this is, this is really a public private partnership that's getting this done through the paycheck protection program. And many of our banks around the country are stepping up and taking applications and have many in the queue, um, as they're processing those. And, and SBA is working actively with them in order to, to make sure this program is implemented as effectively as it can be right now.
0: Yeah, what I think is interesting, yesterday we had Congressman French Hill on, and I talked to him about it seems like, as far as banks are concerned, at least up to this point, that the banks that have really shined are the community banks. Can you talk to that? Why is that?
3: Well, you know, one of those things is the community banks are are in in the midst of the town that people know and people trust. Uh, I think in in this world that we live in now, there's a lot of information going on out there. Um, and in times of challenges uh, and, and disasters, we always see, um, kind of new folks rushing into the market where our local community banks that have a presence in these small towns in Arkansas build a sense of trust and rapport with the individual business owner. And that's a great starting place for anyone in their banking relationship is that local community bank that's in their town. Uh You know, they may play uh Little League baseball with, with the, the local banker there and they have that working relationship. So, our local banks have really been able to jump on this and help us out in this sense as well. All
0: right, I want to let our listeners know: if you're a small business owner and you've got questions, that's what this hour is for. If you will call eight two three zero nine six five, and you got questions, I mean, if you're going to get into really uh, big specifics, you'll need to call the SBA or your local. Uh, bank and talk to them specifically about specific things. But if your question is in a, of the general nature, here's your opportunity to get those, uh, you know, questions. At least get uh, direction in the right way to get all the answers that you need. That number again is eight two three, oh nine six five. And then uh, Heidi, if you'll just text me names, I'll uh, I'll pick them up as uh, we go along. Edward, Le- Edward Haddock is our guest from the uh, Small Business uh, Association here on the Dave Ellswick Show right now. He is here in Little Rock. So let's talk a little bit about have you guys been inundated? I mean, it's as you said, this is an unprecedented program. Uh, we d- uh, you know, Right now, this is one of those programs that's kind of World War II-ish, to be honest, where uh, big things are being done. Have you guys gotten slammed? Have your computers locked up? Any? I mean, where are you with this? If you got things, got the bugs worked out, so to speak?
3: Well, you know, um, I I think uh, as as being a federal agency, the Small Business Administration uh, has done this since 1953. We've supported small businesses in 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 natural disaster occurrences uh, where SBA has come in as a direct lender and been able to really help out. Uh, communities in those events. Uh, This CARES Act allocated $349 billion into the SBA program. Now, let's put this in perspective. Um, SBA guaranteed loans uh, in the the 12 months of fiscal year 2019 only added up to $28 billion. (laughs)
4: So,
3: We can kind of see that we're talking about a 12 uh, times multiple of this loan volume that we normally do. So SBA has been uh, very responsive in in responding to this, but this is the largest economic recovery program our, our country's ever seen. And I think it is—it's taking its toll on everyone, but we're working uh, together to make sure that we can implement it and, and support our small businesses. Absolutely, our call volume has gone through the roof since this started. But you know, we're, we're answering the individual calls of small business owners. Our Office of Disaster Assistance and the disaster teams are, are working around the clock to answer calls. And I know the uh, Office of Capital Access and our administration is doing everything they can to, to support and resource SBA and to, uh, to really help implement this program.
0: Yeah, what's interesting about this is that you're already hearing from, uh, you know, the uh, uh, majority leader of the Senate They're already getting ready to talk and pour even more money into this program. This has been bigger than what they even expected, and you didn't have a lot of time uh, to rev this up and get it out in front of the American people. I mean, Mnuchin basically said you guys got a couple of weeks. That was about it, wasn't it?
3: Well, I tell you, you know, for, for where where we got initial um, authorization under the CARES Act, what SBA's uh, was able to do it was really five short days. Wow. So when we put yeah, when we put that in perspective, all of a sudden you're ramping up and, and building an airplane mid flight, as I've heard it put before, <laughs> uh, you know, jumping out of an airplane with all the ingredients uh, to build a parachute on the way down um so it is unprecedented in this short time that we've been able to pull this feed around and so i know there's a lot of folks out there that uh, may seem frustrated in the process uh and and there's small businesses that you know Every day they're out there trying their best to keep their doors open and serve their customers, and so they're frustrated. This is frustrating for everyone that's out there facing COVID-19 crisis. Hopefully, uh, you know, we hope the best and they have their health. I think that's the primary importance right now as we look nationally at this uh, pandemic. Um, but, you know, that next step is, is looking at the economic support and the economic recovery of this. And um, like I said, we're, we're doing everything we can to help our uh, individual banks make sure they're prepared uh, and they've got the, the access and the resources and the information they need to successfully process these loans. At the same time, uh, we've got our in- entire um, resource partner network engaged to support the individual small businesses throughout the state of Arkansas. So, um, you know we are gearing up, and, and everyone is all hands in order to help these businesses move forward.
0: All right, we got to get our first break in sixteen after seven. We're putting people in the queue right now. David, when we come back, you're going to get the first call here to talk to Edward Haddock on the Dave Ellswick Show. David is from Benton, so Edward, that's who you'll be talking to first. Again, the phone number is eight two three zero nine six five. Eight two three oh nine six five. You got a question about the Paycheck Protection Program. Now's the time to call in, and you get to talk to Edward Haddock, who is the head of the Small Business Administration uh, here in central Arkansas. And, again, we're talking about PPP. We'll take a break. We'll be back. All right. Let's get to the phones. Uh, our guest is Edward Haddock. He is the head of the SBA here in local... Uh, central arkansas and david from benton is our first caller david how are you your your question for ed
2: good morning guys uh thank you mr haddock for uh being available to provide information to the general public um as this has evolved the information was sketchy and and a little bit everything was a little bit fluid at the beginning and as we were trying to apply for our loan we did not see the bank that we normally bank with, listed as a participant. So we went to the list of participating banks, and the very first one we called, they asked, do you have an account with us? So my question is, do you have to have an account with one of the participating banks to to uh, to participate and to get a loan? We eventually found out our bank was on the list, but initially they were not shown and That's been one of the issues is is reliable information.
3: Absolutely, David. That's a, that's a great question. Is uh, yeah, we we worked uh, ahead of time um, with with our banking community to make sure we had uh, what we call agreements in place, or uh, 750 form in, in government speak, uh, with with most all of our banks in Arkansas. So um, that was part of this process is making sure they're prepared. But no, you don't have to have an existing relationship with that bank. Um, most banks in Arkansas, we've. We just onboarded a new bank, uh, I think the final bank that we needed to onboard yesterday uh, here in Arkansas. So we've got pretty much every Arkansan bank on board uh, doing this program. You don't have to be an existing customer with them. Some banks are trying to work solely with their existing customers first because it's Easier and more streamlined since they already have the current information. Uh, but there is a list of available banks out there, and you can start with your bank. And uh, if, if they're uh, not working with the Paycheck Protection because it's an option for them, they're not required to do it, uh, you can go out to sba.gov's website and uh, search for um, Paycheck Protection lenders uh, that are available nationwide uh, and also here in Arkansas on SBA.gov. Slash COVID nineteen, and it will direct you to the funding relief
0: options for that. Great, this, thank you. That answer your question, David. Yes, sir. It sure did. Thank you very much. All right, appreciate you calling in 0965 Have some folks fall off during the break. Here's your opportunity. Phone lines are open to talk to Edward Haddock. He is uh, the main uh, man over at the SBA. Don't forget that their website is sba.gov. If uh, you need information, that's a good place to to start your process of looking for things. Edward, one thing that I heard uh, that several people... Uh, with small businesses that I talked to said that they ran into problems was, and you said it was a fluid situation when you first got started, you had like five days to kind of get this thing underway, was that this program went like from six pages to four pages to, I think it's now down to even like one page now, and that was causing uh, some problem. Has has that been worked out? Have those bumps been taken care of?
3: Yeah, so Dave, I think uh this is a great time to talk about. There's there's really two different loan programs that we're running right now and one uh, is what we call the idle loan or the economic injury disaster loan, which was the first loan program that we rolled out here in Arkansas. And and that is the um, disaster loan program that SBA uses in the event of a, a really a local uh, natural disaster. Um, it may be from flooding or fires or tornadoes. SBA implements uh, two options for those types of disasters: a physical and an economic injury disaster loan program. This economic injury disaster loan program was the first loan program that we rolled out here in Arkansas, and that definitely. Saw some initial challenges when it got overwhelmed by all of a sudden not only Arkansas being um uh, confirmed eligible to apply for this direct loan, but now it went to all 50 states and U.S. territories at the same time uh, that everyone could access this direct loan option from SBA. Well, it was quickly overwhelmed by the number of applicants, so SBA has really worked uh, tirelessly to get that back up, and they did streamline that process. Uh, and that um, economic injury disaster loan is available direct through our website, that's where they can go to sba.gov and fill out the idle loan and the idle loan advance option that was part of the CARES Act which can advance up to $10,000 to that small business based on the number of employees. The other program now that that was rolled out also under the CARES Act is the paycheck protection. And that is the individual loan program through a partner uh, lending institution, it could be a bank, it could be a credit union, it could be really any lending institution that's connected with um, Paycheck Protection. Um, really, we're, we're encouraging lenders to start with their local bank, and if they can't find uh, value there or if they can't get a hold of anyone at their local bank, they can go online to our Paycheck Protection website, sba.gov paycheck protection. Uh, and they can find a a local lender through that system.
0: Yeah, and how's that going? I mean, we're talking billions of dollars that are moving through this program at warp speed, basically, correct?
3: Absolutely. Uh, You know, we're we're talking uh, we've got um, loan applicants that have been lining up since even before really uh, a lot of the the information was available publicly. And I think that's where, you know, when we talk about a a fluid situation – um the united states has never impact, been impacted by uh this type of um virus infection rate uh anywhere in any of our uh, histories that I'm sure anyone alive now can really remember. So, uh, you know, SBA, the federal government, and I think states and local municipalities are doing everything they can do to react to the situation as it unfolds. So uh, again, we have to remember kind of where we've been and where we're at now. And it's, it's, um, it's really, it, it's great that we're we've been able to get out um, over 400,000 loans at this point, uh, committing a, a hundred billion dollars uh, to our small businesses now,
0: all right our guest is Edward haddock he's going to be with us for the hour. Uh, if you have a question for him eight two three oh nine six five a lot of you know exactly my break schedule and everything that goes on here on this show and it's that's what happens when you've been doing uh, the same show for twenty odd years and getting information out to people so during the break as we're getting ready to go to an Edward, I'll let you grab another cup of coffee or whatever. You're former military, I'm sure you drink coffee too. Uh, you go ahead and relax. We'll be back with you here uh, shortly. Edward Haddock will answer your questions again. Eight two three zero nine six five. The number to call if you have a question. Uh, for the head of the SBA uh, about the Paycheck Protection Program or IDLE program that he just talked about. Here's your opportunity to talk directly to someone who's plugged in to all the information. Right now, though, Rush is ready to join us. He's got his uh, thoughts for the day to share with you. Let's do that, then take a break, and then come back for more. Here on the Dave Ellswick Show, 101.1 FM the answer Back with uh, Edward Haddock. He is the head of the SBA here locally uh, in central Arkansas. Don't forget their website, sba.gov. Get a lot of uh, questions answered there uh, because I want to tell you what, these guys are really, really busy, so answering direct questions to you can be kind of a hassle. Banks can answer a lot of questions as well. Edward, we've got our next caller. Suzanne is in Searcy. Suzanne, welcome to the Dave Ellswick Show and your question for Edward. Edward.
5: Hey,
2: thanks for having me. So I own a small business in Searcy, a little restaurant, and we have continued to stay open, uh, you know, for curbside. So I have uh, pre-qualified for the payment protection program, and hopefully we'll get something next week. But I, but I uh, uh, filled out an application for the SBA loan. About ten days ago, and the ten thousand dollar grant, where do those two are those two like go hand in hand or is that going to be separate
3: yeah suzanne that's a that's a great question and and uh, appreciate your courage staying open during this and making sure you can uh, uh, support uh, your local community as, as you're serving food on the to go uh, That's fantastic to see. Um, so the the two, the programs are different uh, and, and you're eligible to apply to both of them. Uh, SBA okay. really makes sure that yet yeah, each of those funds should be used for separate, um, what we call use of proceeds or separate things. So if you've applied on the economic injury disaster loan, the direct loan for SBA to, let's say, uh, help you pay inventory costs and cover some of those costs. Um, that may yes. not be directly associated with payroll, that's great. You can accept that loan as well and then apply for the, the Paycheck Protection Program and use that um, for payroll costs, overhead costs that are directly related to your payroll, and have that portion forgiven. Now, the $10,000, or I should say up to $10,000 advance, is through the Economic Injury Disaster Loan, and that's based off of the number of employees you currently have up to $10,000.
2: Okay. Okay, and so do you know, like, how long, is there a timeline on the SBA loan and grant?
3: Yeah. um, So that's being worked actively right now. I know um, the uh, idle advance up to 10,000 was was kind of originally um, communicated as a three-day turnaround. I know SBA is doing everything they can to get through um, and and they're working through the applications now and they should reach out directly to you uh, through this process. But uh, we're hoping to hear something within the next couple of days as they uh, really kind of sort through the, the mass of applications they have had. I wish I could give you a more definitive answer, but we just don't have that yet as they're going to work through these economic injury disaster loan and, and advance options with this, uh, the new simplified, streamlined application process that's been in place.
2: Right. Well, we sure do appreciate all the work you guys are doing. I know you guys are working hard and overtime, and we do appreciate you all.
3: Well, thank you, Suzanne. Thank you for your support as well during this.
0: All right, Suzanne, okay. thanks for your call. We appreciate you. And uh, thanks and tell everybody up in Circe we said hello. Again, the phone number is 8230965. We're talking about uh, small business stuff, small business loans. What's the difference between the PPP and the IDLE loan and all the rest? And in fact, let me ask you, Edward, which of these are payback loans and which of these are. Grantable loans, and I should say grantable because you got to meet certain conditions for this money to be granted to you. Correct?
3: Sure, absolutely. The paycheck protection really it the program that what was designed to support payroll in small businesses, nonprofits, and, and veterans organizations as uh, according to the CARE Act. So there is forgiveness provision, so it is a loan with forgiveness provisions in there for those costs and those expenses that are directly associated with the small businesses or, or the eligible uh, applicant's payroll. That would be, you know, salary wages and other things that are directly related to keeping folks on your payroll, keeping them working in small businesses, keeping them employed in those types of businesses. That's what's available for that. Uh, okay. the idle loan, uh, is a loan, but it does have an advance option. That advance option, you don't have to take it, uh, but it does come up with up to a 10K advance option. And that advance option is, uh, basically, uh, forgivable. And, uh, what, what SBA has on its website and go out to SBA.gov and check out your coronavirus relief options, um, That is available for uh, anyone that applies that is either a small business um, with less than 500 employees, independent contractors, self-employed individuals, and private nonprofit uh, organizations or veterans organizations affected by COVID.
0: All right. Edward Haddock from the SBA is our guest. Ben is in Little Rock, our next caller. Hi, Ben. How are you? And what's your question for Edward?
5: So my question is on the uh, PPP app. Uh, I'm going to submit tomorrow. And, you know, it says the PPP request plus uh, two and a half times plus any idle loan or idle money that you may have. Underneath there are check boxes for your expenses, so here's my question: If I applied for ten thousand dollars, does that mean seventy five hundred has to go towards payroll and the other twenty five hundred has to go towards the operating expenses for the qualified forgiveness? Sure.
3: So uh, great question, Ben. Thanks for calling in. Really how it's set up is it's defined by your expenses. So you shouldn't really be requesting uh, the amount of the loan. The The actual expenses your business had uh, in 2019 should be the driver of that number. So Uh, It it has a reference where it looks back to the same period in 2019 and says, if this was your average monthly payroll cost, that's what we're going to use as your loan request. And so that number plus all those, uh, the uh, mortgage interest utility uh, and rent payments would then add up to the total loan amount times 2.5, which would give you basically eight weeks coverage on payroll. Uh, and that would be your loan amount, and that's how that number is actually defined.
5: Does that help so I, you? Ben? I just thought it was. It, yeah, it helps because I thought it was just a little confusing because it says payroll expense, and then underneath you have boxes to check, and so it made me think if there's a seventy-five twenty-five forgiveness component, and let's just say just working with the same ten thousand that. Um, I spent ten thousand dollars on payroll itself, no expenses. Then I would expect the SBA to say, "Okay, only seventy-five hundred of it qualified for payroll." So you, so now it's going to be a loan of twenty-five hundred dollars, uh, and that's what makes it a loan as opposed to a forgiveness. But maybe I'm overthinking it. Well,
3: no. So there, there is a provision in there, and 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 as you can uh, read in, in what SBA published in the interim final rule, um, is there is a provision in there that covers and, and allows up to seventy five percent of those payroll costs to be forgiven because uh, the administration working with the Secretary of Treasury had to really kind of look at this program and say, well, it's uh, what kind of uh, subscription, what kind of demand are we going to have for this program? And we have to be able to manage that for the number of applicants we have. So up to 75 percent of those that can be used for direct payroll costs can be forgiven. Uh, And and they're only allowing that 25 percent of non-payroll costs to be uh forgiven.
5: forgiven all right
0: ben does that help
5: you out yeah that's that's perfect can i ask you one more question in relation to the idol quick quickly okay if you if you've applied for IDLE but hadn't received it how do you put it on the ppp app when it's asking if you've got an IDLE loan yeah, we're, we're hearing that a lot. Just make sure you disclose
3: that with your lender and talk to your lender through this because uh, the lender is going to be working with you through the Paycheck Protection, so you just want to make sure that uh, you're in communication with your lender. You've disclosed that, and any information you do get from SBA you pass along until, until SBA releases some formal guidance on how to actually um, document that, just communicate with your lender and disclose, disclose, disclose. It's better to keep them with more information than less at this point.
5: Yeah, thanks so much for the clarification.
0: All right, sure, Ben. absolutely. Have a great day. Have a great uh, Resurrection Sunday as well. All right, a break. Edward Haddock is with us to the top of the hour. we got time for one more caller after our break. The phone number is 823-0965, 823-0965. You have a question, call now on the Dave Ellswick Show, one oh one one FM, The Answer. Hey, don't forget about PI Roofing. They're ready to help you, and in this time of social distancing, they can do everything uh, on the phone or over uh, the Internet, so you don't have to come into the office. Uh, they can talk to you. They can sneak out to your home and get up and look at your roof. They can tell you everything you need to know through uh, talking to you on the phone, or or getting on and and doing a you know, a, uh, I don't know a Zoom or something like that, and and work it out with you. All you have to do is call them at five zero one seven zero seven thirty five fifty one. That's five zero one seven zero seven thirty five fifty one. The folks at PI Roofing want you to know. Look. Things are tough right now. They don't want to make it tougher on you by making you jump through hoops about getting your roof fixed. So they're going to take good care if you just know that that's going to happen. I know that during normal times, they take exceptional care. I've had them do my roof on this house uh, you know, several years ago and did a fantastic job. 501-707-3551 or reach them on the Internet at Roofing. Dot com. Edward Haddock, final segment with us this morning. He's with the SBA. Donna has the final question over the phone uh, with us. She's in Little Rock. And hi, Donna. How are you? And what's your question?
2: I'm fine. Thank you for taking this. I have a question sure. which is which is actually for my nephew who's had to work out of state right now. He had a he and his wife at a gym here in Arkansas and they were shut down. Is there anything available to him?
3: Great question, Donna. Absolutely. I know gyms are one of those areas that have been significantly impacted uh, by the COVID nineteen, and, and they really they have two options uh, at least initially they can go to, and that's the SBA IDLE loan or the EIDL, that's Economic Injury Disaster Loan, which is the direct loan from SBA. In order to help pay their overhead costs, let's say the rent on their building, the utilities uh, that they've had during the shutdown where they haven't had uh, employees basically. Uh, so if they've been, uh, they can apply directly to that. They can also apply under the paycheck protection uh, if they're looking at hiring back and, and getting their folks back on payroll or helping to cover those payroll costs. Uh, there's also two other programs that we haven't really talked about that SBA has rolled out uh, to assist businesses during this time, and that's the SBA Express Bridge Loan, uh, which is a loan from an SBA Express lender. We have about 30, 35 of those across Arkansas, um, and they can help provide liquidity in the, uh, a working capital loan of $25,000 that can be refinanced with the economic injury disaster loan. So there's some options there. There. And if they have an existing 7A loan or an existing SBA loan, we can provide them some debt relief. What I would suggest is you have them stop by our website at SBA.gov, and they can go into the coronavirus relief options tab and in there they'll uh we have a, a section dedicated to funding relief options for our COVID-19 effective businesses um and they can they can work through that or they can also contact their local district office and have them walk them through their their options there
0: for that,
2: there for that. thank you so much i really appreciate it
0: no, all right donna, Absolutely. thank you donna thank you <laughs> had a person who sent me an email, uh, Edward, and they asked, how is the application process different for sole proprietors, no employees?
3: Um, so right now, it's, it's, there's no different application process that, that we anticipate. Uh, we're, we're waiting for the applications to be open for those sole proprietors and independent contractors on April 10th for the Paycheck Protection Act. Uh, under that, it should be the same application process, and you'll work with your CPA or your lender to identify those eligible costs that you have in your business for for the uh, paycheck protection loans. That could be any kind of um, – um, Income from the uh, individual entrepreneur that that is working as a sole proprietor um, have have really sit down with your lender and work through your expenses on what you do have and what can uh, be eligible for the Paycheck Protection Program.
0: All right, and Edward, for the folks that have just tuned in towards the end of this hour, they've been hearing some of the information to get. All clarification on all these different loans, the EIDL and the PPP and all the rest, it's sba.gov, and then look for the uh, coronavirus link, correct?
3: Absolutely, and they can also check in there uh, for find local assistance and put in their zip code, uh, and they'll come up with all the SBA, either the district office or our resource partners throughout the state, Uh, We have the Arkansas Small Business and Technology Development Center that has seven centers across Arkansas that can uh, individually assist a small business in putting together their application package. We have two SCORE offices in Arkansas as well as a Women's Business Center here all ready to assist small businesses in preparing their documentation for these loan programs.
0: All right. Edward Haddock, who is the head of the SBA here in central Arkansas. Thank you for your time. Edward, we're going to try to get you on next week again, to answer more questions. I'm, I'm sure as people have been listening to this hour, questions have risen in their mind, uh, and, and we'll have you on for that. For folks that might have questions, is it just SBA.gov? Is there a place that they can send your questions to?
3: Absolutely. Uh, SBA.gov, uh, they can get most of their questions answered there. If not, they can always reach out to me directly at edward.haddock H-A-D-D-O-C-K, at sba.gov, um, and we can get them routed to the appropriate place.
0: All right. We appreciate your time. Uh, very important information that you have that my listeners need that own businesses and a lot of small business owners listen to this show. I thank you so much, Edward, for your time.
3: Dave, thank you, and thanks for your service.
0: No problem. Same thing to you. You did a few more years than I did, so good for you. All right, Edward Haddock here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Great hour with him. We're going to try to get that set up again uh, for next uh, Thursday. Heidi's going to talk to him and see if, if uh, that is uh, going to be possible. Uh, As soon as she has an answer for me, I'll give you an answer. All right, coming up in the next hour, one of my favorite people. He's a good friend of mine. He's a man who uh, is a specialist in infectious diseases. He has been involved with infectious diseases for many, many years. He's the man who, about 15 years ago, identified that uh, coronaviruses, like the flu and things of that nature, Uh, can be carried on the uh, fur of pets. And uh, when he came out with that information, uh, the first time around, a lot of people called him silly and basically said he didn't know what he was talking about. Uh, Over that 15-year span, he has been proven right, completely right, and that your pet can uh, carry Uh, Coronavirus. So, what does that mean when it comes to uh, COVID 19? We'll get an answer to that from Dr. Terry Yamauchi, who will join us in the next hour of the Dave Ellswick Show. A great Thursday show for you. Lots of information. Hope that it's been entertaining as well. Uh, for Dr. Yamauchi, if you've got any questions, he'll be happy to answer and try to handle those for you and give you uh, you know, very clear and concise answers. The phone number here on the Dave Ellswick show is eight two three zero nine six five uh to the folks who called in and emailed, we thank you uh, here on the Dave Ellswick Show. And, and I'll let you know as soon as we know uh, whether Edward Haddock will join us next Thursday or not. With that in mind, uh, keep in mind that we're going to go to the news. We've got news uh, that we've got to do. And then when we get back, uh, we'll be ready to talk to Dr. Terry Yamauchi next. Dave Ellswick Show news coming up on 101.1 FM, The Answer. This week, tomorrow, best of Dave Ellswick show as we will celebrate uh, Good Friday tomorrow. And so I won't be on the air live, but we will have a a great show for you. Uh, If you missed last hour. Uh, You can go and check out the podcast later and listen to it or know that we'll be repeating that hour tomorrow, just as we will repeat this hour with Dr. Uh, Terry Yamauchi, who's going to spend an hour talking to us now about the uh, uh, COVID-19 pandemic that's going on and let him kind of bring us up to date to new information coming out. On the business side, um, the number of Americans seeking unemployment benefits swelled to 6.6 million uh, million people last week. That's a surge for the third consecutive week. as Strict measures to contain the uh, uh, coronavirus uh, paralyzed the nation's economy. Also, about an hour ago, the president tweeted that he is going to have a corona coronavirus uh, group that is going to deal with just restarting the economy. I feel that once the economy gets restarted, it's going to, you know, probably uh, take off. Is is how I feel. And I was just reading the the letters to the editor uh, for this story, and. These Democrat trolls uh, for these stories make me just want to laugh. I mean, really, I mean, make me want to laugh. Do you remember when the Obama economy was hit with the H1N1 virus, which was far more deadly and we lost nearly 17 million jobs in three weeks? Yeah, me neither. That's the difference between a resilient Democratic economy and the smoke and mirrors Republican economy. You know, this is a person I'd like to grab by the throat because to lie by omission is still to lie, and that's what this person is doing, and because the bottom line is this. We didn't shut the frickin' economy down, bozo, uh, when uh, this happened, and uh, I, I hear Dr., uh, Dr. Terry laughing in the background, but it's a truth. It's... Apples and oranges, there's nothing similar to me in any way, shape, or form. H1N1 came here to the United States, but not like uh, the coronavirus or COVID-19 has. So uh, let's just leave it like that. I don't want to ruin this last hour with Dr. Yamauchi talking politics, but I might pick up on that Monday. Really irritates me when they say things like that. Okay, so... Terry, how are you? Terry, how are you? <laughs> well, yeah, no, just...
4: I'm, I'm safe at home. Yeah, me too. Uh, I kind of like this. Uh, I didn't have to <laughs> call security to open up the building for me. That's uh, right. So I, so I, and I'm right here. uh the, and yeah, I'm ready, I'm ready to talk. To, to talk a little bit, uh, I wanted to say something about the numbers uh because uh, you we talked about this three weeks ago a little bit, mm-hmm. and I said, don't believe all the numbers. We had all kinds of, of numbers coming out, and we still do. I think the numbers are a little more focused, but you know, we predicted that we'd see a lot of different numbers and remember that we were giving out numbers for uh, those people that had, Coronavirus or COVID nineteen, and then we are starting to give death numbers, and people don't realize that some of those numbers are are just numbers right now. Uh, we were talking about how people, uh, older people, were susceptible, and and uh, of course we were seeing numbers of deaths in older people. But again, you have to remember that older people have other diseases and other conditions that make them more prone to be weaker, and therefore, if they have the coronavirus present and they die from heart failure right. or cancer, they're counted right now in there with the coronavirus. And so um, <laughs> the cause of death uh we we hear is coronavirus, but it might well be that they gave out because they're old, yeah. Uh, and that's changed a little bit too, because we're seeing uh, more younger people now, and we don't know about their conditions. We assume that they're quote healthy, but they could have risk factors as well. So, uh, w- the the numbers are only going to get bigger. Uh, we're going to see a. a Drop in death rates because we're testing more people. So uh, you know, think about the statistics and about the numbers game when you read these numbers. I mean, granted, we have a lot of deaths. Actually, I think I uh, sent you something last week that we had more deaths in Arkansas from influenza, yes, uh, than we do from uh, coronavirus. A way lot more. Yeah. So, I mean, let's, you know, let's be concerned and do the things that we're supposed to be doing. But the, you got to look at those numbers and see, does this merit shedding down the country? And uh, to some degree, they uh, obviously, the uh, problem with the spread of this disease. Uh, think of this simple, simple uh, thought. Uh if you come in contact with this virus, you may come down with the disease. It looks like it may be a little more contagious than we thought about before, but but there's the best way to prevent any infection is to stay away from it, mm-hmm. and that should be pretty clear to anybody. If mean, you don't want to have any chance of getting it, then stay away from people that have it. Uh, or places where people have been that have it.
0: Yeah, well, uh, here, here's the key, Doc. I mean, think about this. Surely the number of infections of the flu slowed down as well as this uh, whole social distancing kicked into effect and people were staying away from each other. I'm, i i got to believe there's a correlation there.
4: Well, I think... I think there is now the problem with with this virus COVID nineteen. We still don't know enough about it. We don't know really how contagious is it. How long it sticks around? We've seen any, anywhere from a few hours on surfaces to you know several days on surfaces, and I don't I don't know about how how proven that is yet. Uh, I I'm one of those quote doctor scientists scientists that you know have had quite a bit of experience in infectious diseases and you know uh, we talked about this way back but uh, one of the things i found out here in arkansas uh more than more than 20 years ago now i think was that uh, animals pets could carry infectious uh, bacteria that uh, their owners could get and vice versa we found the same organism uh that owners had that pets had but we didn't have the proof that one caused the other necessarily because we d- wouldn't we hadn't cultured all pets prior to surgery nor had we cultured all people so we couldn't tell if one had uh, one had it and the other didn't before Uh, you know, before they came down with infection. In fact, that bacteria was the same bacteria that you had some experience with in the past. And so, yeah, yeah. And so, uh, you know, I didn't do any viral cultures. I wasn't looking for viruses. And uh, but looking for bacteria uh, was, uh, well, kind of shocked that we found this this uh, bacteria that previously had been associated mainly with hospitals and uh but we found it in their homes and in the pets. So uh I'm not too surprised that we we found this uh coronavirus on some pets. Whether whether they could pass it to the human, you know, I'm sure if you think about it, uh it's possible, but uh, again that part of how contagious this virus is still uh, hasn't, uh, hasn't proven to me to be highly, uh, highly suspected as causing the spread of the disease. There may have a little role, but certainly not, not major.
0: Well, what's been amazing and should be for everybody, if you remember a couple of weeks ago, that group out of England was predicting in the United States as high as 2 million people dying from this virus well we're not even right now if we continue on the trajectory we're on we're not even going to come close to that
4: yeah well again again the numbers are going to go down uh because the more people we test the more that are going to be positive for the virus and that's another part of this that you need to realize just because you're positive for the virus doesn't mean that you're going to uh, die or that you're even going to get sick and those mm-hmm. that's part of the equation that we still don't have enough numbers to tell uh, are you going to be sick are you going to have symptoms are you, are you going to die i guess in that or are you just going to be carrying it around and how contagious are you when you're just carrying it without symptoms we can answer that pretty easily we know that you if you have symptoms you're more likely to spread it right right if you're coughing you're more likely to spread it to people or on surfaces if you don't have symptoms you're not as likely now we don't can't answer that definitively yet and right. the other question about how this is spread we we know that people now recover from the disease most people do uh, but are they still infectious? And how long are they infectious? And ho- how much virus are they spreading or capable of spreading? And is that virus changed a little bit because your body has treated that virus? You know, your vi- your body has fought it off or uh, neutralized it in some way. So those are questions that are still out there that that had not been answered, and uh, we have to be aware that the, right. those could ch- those could change.
0: All right, our guest is Dr. Terry Yamauchi. He is a doctor of infectious diseases. He's going to share his information and his uh, thought process and his knowledge with you for the rest of this hour. I want you to stick around, listen to him. Number one, he's one of those doctors that doesn't just jump out there on the end of a limb with a a saw and start sawing off the limb behind him. Uh, making uh, wild accusations and and number things. Uh, we'll talk to him uh, when we come back a little bit about masks as well. There's a lot of things to talk about today. You stick with us. We got it all for you here on the Dave Ellswick Show. 18 minutes, make it 19 minutes after 8 on the Dave Ellswick Show. More coming your way here at 101.1 FM, The Answer. And um, if you're worried about this meltdown with the stock market, I've got great news for you, and David Lucas Financial has great news for you. Uh, According to Forbes, this could be a huge opportunity uh, right now to save big money on taxes in retirement. You can learn how with a free tax reduction analysis by phone or video conference. From David Lucas Financial right here in Little Rock. If you save more than $400,000, you can be one of the first 10 callers to schedule your free analysis now. All you have to do is call 501-222-3315. It could be a big, you know, this big drop in the stock market it could be your window of opportunity to save tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of dollars in taxes in your retirement. Again, call 501-222-3315. That's 501-222-3315. All right, Uh, Dr. Terry Yamauchi is our guest here on the Dave Ellswick Show today, Uh, taking the time out to talk with uh, Dr. Yamauchi today uh, to be brought up to date on what's going on. Now, the the big story kind of this week, Doc, There's been something we talked about several weeks ago, and that is, should you wear a mask or shouldn't you wear a mask? And now they've decided, well, if you're going to go to the supermarket, might be a good idea to go ahead and wear a mask. What's your thought on all of this? Do you think a lot of this is a bunch of hooey about nothing, or is there really some seriousness to this whole discussion?
4: Well, I think there's a a couple of things that that you're mentioning here. The idea of a mask is twofold. Number one, does it filter out the virus? The answer to that is the standard masks that are used in surgery or the kind that people you see wearing right now does not filter that out. It does act as a warning that, you know if you have a disease or you being the, the non-wearer uh try to stay away from those people because they don't want to get it from you so it's like it's like a caution flag uh right now it does have some value because of the pollens my god the pollens are so bad right now that you know your car turns yellow uh from it so that that and it is challenge people into thinking of ideas to uh, make a mask. You see these people with masks on now that are uh, homemade and uh, they're kind of intriguing. Uh, uh, But, you know, I want want to make one comment on the uh, commercial or the uh, uh, ad that you just had on. Uh, Mental stress uh, can be is probably a contributing factor to making somebody more susceptible uh, to any disease. But it's also been thought of as with this new coronavirus that it may be a contributing factor. So, you know, and what is stress? Everybody has different stress factors, don't they? I got called yesterday by a lady who wanted to know if I knew a manicurist, manicurist, a nail person who does nails, if they would okay. come to her home, manicures, yeah, would come to her home and do her nails. And I said, well, you're not going to go out. You're not leaving your house. And she said, but I just, you know, want to have my nails look nice. It just bothers me. <laughs> and so I said, well, I guess you could consider that mental stress. Yeah. You know, uh, so you, you can make up all these different things uh to to justify what you want to do but uh so mental stress is one one factor that might be a contribu- contributing factor
0: well i have on uh you know my my uh facebook page i've seen a lot of women talking about how they can't get their hair done it's really you know irritating them that their hair doesn't look uh, perfect, and that's like the nails. I mean, who's going to see you right now? You should that's be exa- distancing that's exact- yourself.
4: That's exact. I had to, or my my haircut for this last week was canceled because of <laughs> uh, of this, and my dental appointment for you know, it, uh, teeth cleaning was canceled because right. of this. I have a friend that had that was have is supposed to have heart surgery. I mean the uh, Back surgery yesterday. He's in pain, and that's been canceled or postponed, as I say. So there are a lot of different things. the uh, The effects of this this disease. Uh, I might have mentioned this before, but you know, the cleaners where I take some of my clothes, uh, a guy was telling me that you know this has been bad for business because people working at home don't dress. Quite like they do when they, you know, go to work. So if he hasn't had that cleaning stuff, he says, "I don't have the, I don't have the, to buy as much clean, uh, cleaning fluid. I don't have to have a driver delivering uh, clothes. So right. those are places where it costs me money, and those people don't have a job. So yeah. you know, it's, it's, it's that effect.
0: Uh, it's really an, it's really an amazing thing." Of how this has affected uh, our country, and especially economically, I'm I'm with the president on this. You know, I'm beginning to believe in some instances, and we can uh, we can chase this when we get back. And that is, is the cure worse than the disease? So uh, let's well, talk about that, shall we? When we come back, are you up to talking about that? Well, I'm not
4: an <laughs> economist.
0: Uh, I know that, but you can look around and see another 6.6 million jobs of unemployment out there. Right now, though, let's go hear what Sean Hannity has to say. You know, I got to be honest with Dr. Terry Yamouchi is our guest. Both of us are cinephiles, just so you know, and he uses movies to show how viruses can, you know, travel all around the globe in a short period of time. And we've seen that happen in real time, uh, Doctor, here over the last uh, month and a half. The other movie that always comes to my mind when people talk about uh, disease like this and life forms and, and whatnot is the Andromeda strain. And I remember going to see that when I was a kid and how intense and really uh, believable that was and how I've gone back to read about the making of that movie and Robert Wise was a director and that's a guy who did, you know, West Side Story and then he took on this Michael Crichton story. It was the first big story that that uh, Michael Crichton made a movie that was a huge hit. Of course, he had already done Westworld, but what's interesting about this is how many things have played out in real time in reality uh, that match up with some of the things that we see in movies.
4: Absolutely. I mean, look at
0: Jules Verne's. <laughs> yeah, from the Earth <laughs> to the Moon. Yeah. Well, yeah,
4: he, uh, Mysterious Island. And those, those are all great movies and have come to uh, be proven or at least
0: demonstrated to some degree. What's really amazing about that movie, Earth to the Moon, Jules Verne placed where he fired the, the cannon that sent the projectile to the moon, almost yeah. right on top of where Cape Canaveral is today.
4: Yeah. yeah. Whether that's just fortuitous or they'd had some knowledge about you know, distances and I I doubt it but uh you know some of these people research their their writings pretty
0: pretty closely so Yeah they did it was great and but uh the Andromeda strain is it's one of my my favorite uh, one of my favorite sci-fi movies dealing on that uh uh That type of a thing. I mean, I've watched, uh, you know, all the latest pandemic movies and stuff. It just doesn't have the same tenseness. That the Andronami strain had. You got this baby that lived, a, an old wino yeah. that lived. That said, you know, yeah. and they ask him, "What do you? Th- how do you think you lived through this?" And the old man looks at him and says, "Squeeze." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's such a great movie. It really is. Yeah, I mean, there there
4: are really some good things in there. You know, the the concepts. Well, I, but like you say, the concepts are relevant.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, you know, Michael Crichton was quite the scientist himself, so uh, he, he did a lot of that stuff. I mean, he, he wrote some groundbreaking you know stuff with Westworld, and then Andromeda yeah. Strain. Uh, what was a coma, and, and some of the other books that he wrote. He was a. I wish he had uh, lived a, a normal lifespan. There's no telling what other stuff he had stuck in his head yeah. that he wanted to do. But he, enough on you that. You know,
4: he, you know that uh, he he uh, he was an MD, but yes. uh, he, he never went into the service because uh, he never practiced.
0: That's amazing. That's really amazing. All right, let's and he get back was tall. to. Yeah, let's let's talk about what's going. You know what what we've got going on right now, uh, of everything that's happening right now, uh, it you know the president now is talking about is the is the cure worse than the disease, and he's beginning now to say I think the last I heard they are hoping to perhaps restart the economy. Uh, and, and and it's a little bit different than just getting in your car and turning the key or pushing a button and starting the engine. Right. Uh, you've right. got a few things that you got to do. Um, you know, they're talking about April 28th. In your mind, too soon or not soon enough?
4: It depends. I think it depends a lot on where you are. Uh, I think that's too soon for some areas, you know. uh I'd like to see Arkansas wait a little while uh, and see if, uh, if it can, our plateau continues to plateau. Uh, but uh, you know, I understand the the economics, like like I mentioned, that the cleaners, you know, all the people that are affected. Sure. Uh, and you know, there are uh, places, people that are have been working that are not going to be allowed to. Take unemployment or even receive any unemployment. And I don't know the intricate details of that, but I hear that from people that I know that are out of work. Look, I have a softball team, as you know, a senior yeah. softball team, and we travel all around the country. And, you know, the season has essentially, we've already missed four tournaments. Now, those are out of state, they're in other states, but. Think of the economy that those tournaments bring to those cities, and since they've been canceled, uh, that, that economy is gone. Yeah. Uh, so, so uh, you, you got to think just beyond the immediate effect. You got to look at what how that affects other people and uh, other other jobs besides just the ones you think right away. And we're starting to see editorials and things like that about about this effect. But uh, I heard, uh, of, I guess it was last month or the month before, uh, Mr. Ludlow, uh, one of the financial advisors for, for the uh, country and uh, or for the government, I guess. And, and uh, you know, he predicted some of this, not to quite the extent that we're seeing right now, but this was predicted, you know, to happen. Yeah. Now, whether whether... Adding another committee now, uh, uh, a coronavirus financial startup committee, or whatever, I don't know what the name of it is, but I heard that was announced recently, and uh, we we'll just have to wait and see on that. I don't, I don't know that. Like you say, I don't know. You can just turn a key and it goes on. Yeah, it's and, I like you know, you're, <laughs> you're not like that. You're not going 70 miles an hour right there. No, uh, it's, I it's agree. built build that up. And I know you have a lot more experience uh, with the financial aspects of the, of our country than I do, and I, I think you're you know you're also uh, putting your thoughts in there, and uh, you might be overly cautious.
0: Yeah, you know, I'm a little bit cautious about it. I don't want to start and then have to put the brake on again. That would be disastrous, to be honest yes. with you. Yeah. So, now, that's, you that know.
4: goes along, Dave, with is this virus weakened if you've had it and is it more contagious? Or if people that have been treated or have survived being on a respirator, severe disease, are they going to be able to pass the virus on for a, a, a period of time? Mm-hmm. And or is that virus going to be the same? And or, you know, there's all these these offshoots that we don't know. And so is it th- three days after you're feeling good that you, you're you not contagious? We know you still have the virus, but is that changed? So you see there's lots of. Ins and outs that still haven't been explained, and if we go back too soon, and these people that are infected uh, can reinfect people, uh, you know, like you say, that'd be disastrous to have to go back again and shut down things.
0: Yeah, we so, find ourselves in the same pos- position, except doubly worse. To be honest with you, it would be it would be really, really terrible. It'd be something that would take. Years to recover from instead of perhaps exact, just yeah. months. All right, yeah, we a, you, you, go ahead. Uh, no, I forgot what I was going to say. Okay, I'll, I'll, we'll pick it up. I'm, I want to pick up something that you said about these softball tournaments uh, and things of that Andy Yeah, I are, know what you're going
4: to say. <laughs> well,
0: I want to talk about baseball with you, but the bottom line is, uh, I think people now are understanding really, at least in our country, uh, and and in, even in other countries, how important a role, you know, sports play in our daily lives and in our economy. All that's coming your way when we return. Yep. We've got one final break that we've got to get out of the way. Let's do that. Then Dr. Terry Yamauchi will be back with me here on the Dave Ellswick Show on a Thursday edition on 101.1 FM, The Answer. All right, back with you here on the uh, the Dave Ellswick Show. Sounds like Sean's doing my show this afternoon, doesn't it, uh, <laughs> Heidi? It sounds like he's doing it, Doc. It sounds like he's doing my show. But anyway, uh, 12 minutes before 9 o'clock. Let's just talk about, because you and I are big sports lovers, Doc, and uh, how do you think the coronavirus, the COVID-19, has affected our nation as far as big crowds go. I mean, we haven't ha- we didn't have the final four we're not having the Kentucky Derby uh they're knocking out all the golf tournaments and it goes on and on and on we we're going to talk a minute about baseball it's talking about maybe kicking in 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 May sometime but only in Arizona there's there's all kinds of crazy thoughts out there about it but it it goes to show how important sports plays here in the united states i i can't tell you how many old baseball games i've watched on mlb.com i was watching uh what was it yesterday 20 i think uh 2011 uh brewers uh, versus um, arizona diamondbacks in the national league division series i was watching that uh, yesterday and and I'm thinking to myself I can't believe that I'm watching an old baseball game I, because I'm Jones in on this I need some baseball. And, and it's, did you did you hear did you hear how much the uh, sports gambling they lost just in the final four eight point six billion dollars. Well,
4: there you go, and that's why they want to get back sports back as soon as they can for a lot of those reasons. But, you know, if you're watching those old-time games and things, old-time sports, you need to find a neophyte that doesn't know about it and bet them.
0: And, and
3: wait, <laughs>
1: make wages
4: for them. them, huh?
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm with you. We, we used to yeah. do, just a, as an aside, when I was on Guam, we would play the NFL games uh, during what would be the normal time you would hear them. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, and the games, though, were played early, early in the morning. And some people figured that out and would start betting their friends about who was going to beat who. And they already yeah. had seen the final scores, you know, so it was kind of crazy. But, yeah, yeah, we we got we had to quit broadcasting the early morning scores on our radio station because of it. So, anyway, let's well, go back. Well, I think and, it's important to, to try to support – you know those sports or
4: and any sports, but you know it's it's still all about money. And uh, I don't know if if the pro players how much they're going to be receiving or if they're losing money. I doubt that they lose too much money. The owners are the ones that are suffering, and the uh, I mean the uh, well the owners are, are still some of them are still paying. You know the uh, vendors that are hawking wares, and I I saw Mark Cuban was paying his people every time they had a game, they were scheduled for a game, he was going to pay them their regular rate, even if they didn't work, which I thought was good. And the same thing, not just sports, but, you know, for our restaurants and and people that work down the line in the restaurant. Yeah. The guys uh, that are
0: out there hawking uh, cotton candy and peanuts, you know, they need some help.
4: That's exactly right. That's what I'm saying. And uh, um, I urge people that are using takeout to be sure and tip well because that's part of the people that are being able to work some level.
0: I've been doing that. I've been uh, taking care of the guy who gets in the car and drives me my pizza and leaves it on my porch. I put it in an envelope and and, uh, I have it uh, taped to my door
4: yeah well that's, that's good. that 's that 's good I know that some, a lot of people may not be able to afford that right now, but uh, the other thing is that you know watch out when those first release checks come out then you 're going to see the shortages in the stores no uh-huh. they 're going to stockpile stuff
0: well i've been but, i've been uh, stunned by the amount of people that were at Lowe 's and Jacksonville the last few days because they 've got their plants out and stuff and People are showing up in droves to buy their pan- uh, plants. Folks, I understand. You want a garden, but stay stay keep your distance going. Yeah. Well, see that comes under mental anguish.
4: Stress. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's what they'll say. Uh, you know, if it comes to the point where you get uh citationed or something, I'm going to say, well, I, you know, I'm stressed.
0: I can't I can't think take right. it uh, anymore.
4: Right, right. That will come yeah. out, and so uh, you know, be be aware of those things. I do, Dave. I do want to say something about treatment right now because I okay. think that's, there's some a lot of confusion. You know, uh, uh, President Trump has been toting the the anti anti malaria drug right. uh, hydroxychloroquine, and definitely there's a lot of experience with that for mal- malaria and uh, rheumatoid arthritis and some autoimmune diseases. But but I would caution people to not, not to jump on that t- table too quickly and too hard because uh, there are some adverse effects that the people that have been taking this for uh, malaria have had cardiac problems. Mm-hmm. So I don't know how many people, with the, they get arrhythmias. And if a uh, if person has a history of any heart, it goes along with what we talked about earlier, people that are dying who have coronavirus, but what caused what? And that's why we have to be careful about what we treat with. Does that cause the heart problem, if they have a heart problem, or does it do anything to the uh, autoimmune? We don't know anything about the dosage, really. I read the other day that somebody donated uh Two hundred, or that we had two hundred million doses of uh, uh, quinolone, uh, hydroxyquinolone. Well, that sounds like an enormous number. I don't know how much that would be given to the people that need it for known disease, or for prophylaxis, or for treatment. And what is the dosage? Yeah, two hundred million doses. Well you're going to treat everybody that's positive with 10 days, 3 days, 2 weeks, you know. So those those huge numbers may not be really that huge. That may not be enough to treat everyone either positive by test or symptomatic or with serious disease. You see that
0: so I got you.
4: Okay, that's an important thing to. When we read these numbers and we read these conditions and predictions, those are some unknowns that I I have no knowledge of yet at this time. I don't I don't treat people with uh, malaria or anti-malaria drugs, uh, so you know, being a pediatrician, I don't know those dosages, and so I would not be the one to figure that out. But those who came to me real quickly.
0: <laughs> How much? Mm-hmm. All right, Doc. We're out of time, man. It's amazing. Yeah. I didn't get. I didn't even get to talk. I'm going to have you back on early next week because I want yep. to talk about vaccines versus, uh, you know, yep. using uh, people who've had it and they're extracting yep. their antibodies and all of that. So there's still a lot to yep. talk about. I appreciate <laughs> sure. you coming on in the morning, but thank you very much. Okay. All thank right. you for asking. Sure thing, Dr. Terry Yamauchi. We'll have him back uh, next week here on the Dave Ellswick Show. The man knows a lot. Uh, Just to send Senate Democrats today unveiled the details of a $500 billion coronavirus relief plan. They're going to offer later this morning when Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell requests unanimous consent to provide an additional $250 billion to the Popular Paycheck uh, Protection Program, which we talked about during the 7 o'clock hour with uh, Edward Haddock of the uh, SBA, and we're going to get him back on next week as well. All right, so that means they still got another $250 billion floating out there that they want to put in. Is that money that they want to send to... The citizenry, or what is that extra money for? Do they want to, you know, pay abortion clinics? What do, what are the Democrats wanting to do? We'll find out. Keep it right here on one oh one one FM, The Answer. And when those stories break, you know, either Gallagher or Rush or uh, Hannity will be talking about them on, uh, on our station. I will be out of pocket tomorrow. We'll have a best of Dave Ellswick show for you for Good Friday. I will see you again on Monday at 6 a.m. So have a great uh, holy weekend. Uh, Go and uh, enjoy uh, Good Friday and uh, Resurrection Sunday, whether you do it by sitting in the parking lot of your church and worshiping or watch it on the Internet or uh, however you're going to do it. It will be different, but uh, the Holy Spirit will be there. Thanks so much for being part of the Dave Ellswick Show this week. I'll see you Monday at 6. Thank you, Heidi. You did a fantastic job today. We'll talk to everybody Monday, 6 a.m., Dave Ellswick Show.